0: Welcome, everybody, to uh, Sessions by Embark. Excited to have you here. Today, we're going to be having our session with Liz Lees. Liz is going to introduce herself, but just to give you a little bit of context, Liz and I met because her work um, with Doorways in Arizona, she is a registered dietitian with an expertise in eating disorders. Yes. Yes which of course is fascinating. The stats on eating disorders is just staggering. Nearly 30 million people struggling with eating disorders. But our time today is really taking the journey with Liz about her story and her life and as a registered dietitian, but being involved so heavily with treatment. And you'll talk a little bit about your role at Doorways Just super excited to have you. So, Liz, thanks for joining with me.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, to take this journey. Yeah. It's a little bit different because we're going to talk about your expertise, and there's a lot to glean, especially if you're a therapist out there. Oh, wow, these are interventions. These are things to look out for, which is great. But it's really through the lens of uh, your journey and your story. So I appreciate your vulnerability. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, So I always like to start off and say – How do you introduce yourself?
1: Well, you already did it for me. Yeah,
0: (laughs) a little bit, but uh, how do you introduce yourself?
1: You know, when I meet with clients for the first time, because it can be such a scary experience for them of like, you know, intimidating to meet with the dietitian or they have a certain mindset of what a dietitian is like, you know, is this going to be the food police? Is she going to be this or that? So, you know, I try to Make myself as relatable as possible and, and let them know I'm there for them. So answering that question, a lot of times I keep it simple. I tell them, I'm i Liz. I'm one of the dietitians here at Doorways. I work with other teens with eating disorders. And I just want to sit down today and, and hear your journey. I want to get to know you and find ways where we can align on, on getting you where you want to go.
0: Well, let, let's work a little bit backwards, Liz, because we can get to know you a little bit. How did you arrive at being a dietitian?
1: Gosh, I think it dates back to the earliest memories I probably have that have influenced my my choices through my career. You know, we're all inuated with constant talk about food and nutrition and health and body and exercise. And, you know, I was no different. You know, my dad growing up was on and off diets all the time. There was, you know, this, uh, this focus on you need to be thinner or in a certain weight to be healthy or happy or whatnot you know my mom herself is a bit of a health nut she <laughs> there was no unhealthy unhealthy foods in the house mm-hmm. it was you know it would be me throwing a fit at the grocery store to get something like Lucky Charms in the house <laughs> and so you know from a young age it was just a lot of emphasis on like this is how we need to eat to be healthy. You know, my friends to this day tease me, you know, we go over to Liz's house as kids and mom, her mom would offer us carrots and pretzels <laughs> as a snack. So I think just from a young age, just the messages of the importance of food and nutrition have been passed on to me. And so I guess fast forward, entering into to college, you know, I had had an interest in, in how I ate and and all of that. And it led to figuring out what the heck I wanted to study in college of, ah, maybe I can take my personal passion for food and translate that into a degree. And I remember distinctly the first nutrition class I ever took, I just like glommed on to all the information. I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. I was so interested. I found out I was really good at understanding the content and it just kind of felt like something of my own that I could just, you know, kind of run with. So... That's a big piece of where that that journey started.
0: Well, staying back um, a little bit in your journey, I know that we always carry with us our past experiences, for better or for worse, drive us. As you look back, even as I'm I'm curious, you know, it seems like adolescence is a very formative time, especially for, I don't want to be too cliche here, but adolescent girls is a very formative time of oh, my appearance, my hormones are changing. I'm just, what was your earliest recollection of being aware of, were you aware of other people who had maybe some disordered eating or some thoughts around it or?
1: You know, it's funny because I do reflect back on that a lot of, you know, I I remember people would maybe, there'd be rumors or talk about so-and-so's got an eating disorder and it never really sunk in at that age of what that really meant. You know, I just... You kind of brush it off as like, oh, they just don't. They just want to be thin and not eat a whole lot, which now, of course, I know is so much more than that. But at the time when you just don't understand what something is, it definitely did not sink in back then.
0: So looking back now that you have this expertise and you've gone on this education what what was that like? Is your family was the healthy household, right? Like, let's mm-hmm. go over there. Do you feel like it was well balanced? Do you feel like it was a gift to you? How, how do you how do you regard that early experience?
1: That's a good question. I you know I think there's two sides to it. I think there was probably t- you know I. I I love that I was taught the importance of eating all of the food groups and having good variety and balance in my diet. I think at times it may be some of the the food labeling or the Mm -hmm. emphasis on needing to, to look a certain way to be healthy. Sometimes probably went a little far. And especially now when I work with teens that have similar family dynamics, I can relate to that as how that, you know, probably could impact some of their messages that they're hearing and, Plays not a cause in their eating disorder, but it definitely plays a role into some of their their beliefs towards food and their their body image so I think it helps me to relate a lot with my clients, and that part of it is probably a gift and you know other parts of it of i'm sure over the years i've had to undo some untrue beliefs that i've had towards what health really is or what I should and shouldn't be eating and You know that's taken a little bit of time, especially as I've gotten more into the eating sort of field of learning to step away from maybe such rigidity with with how healthy a diet is.
0: So I'm hearing that for the most part, boy, I had a healthy household that was a good modeling experience for the most part. Some of the stigma. So your own journey is how would you characterize a pretty healthy relationship with food and nutrition?
1: Yeah, I mean. I think, and it's not specific to eating disorders. That I've had my own struggles with body image. You know, I was interested. I looked up statistics. It's anywhere from fifty to eighty percent of adolescent girls report a struggle or dissatisfaction with their body. It's it's big, right? And within that, there's definitely a a proportion that have eating disorders, but not exclusively by any means. And so I know I definitely have struggled in in the past with body image issues and, you know, maybe using food as a means to control some appearance. Absolutely. And I like to draw on those experiences again as like a way to connect with my clients of how I can understand what they might be thinking and feeling towards their own body image.
0: So you're saying you're human too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we have this, we've got this early experience with parents, and then you're talking about high school was pretty good. And then you get into college and it's, how how do you really solidify, gosh, I, I think this is what I want to make as a career. It's, you said I was pretty good at understanding the information. Yeah, talk more about like when this passion begins to really take off for you and what that's like.
1: Yeah, it was about halfway into college that I really finally decided what I wanted to do with my life. And it just, there was no looking back. I went full force with dietetics and the whole, you know, it's a pretty regimented path that you take to become a registered dietitian. You study dietetics, you know, it's a concentration of nutrition. You apply for a dietetic internship. In this case, I wanted more school. I couldn't get enough, so I combined it with a master's in nutrition, and I just kind of always saw my path moving forward of just absorb as much information and get expertise in the world of nutrition to be that that professional. And I, you know, unfortunately, there's not a lot of content about eating disorders in most dietetic programs. You might get couple chapters in one class that cover eating disorders, which is nowhere near enough to become an expert by any means. And it was always in the back of my head of kind of being drawn towards that and wondering if there was a way to get more involved. And, you know, I might be jumping ahead here, but, (laughs) but, you know, as I kind of navigated in early stages of, of my career as a dietitian, you know, I, I tried out the various settings, you know, the outpatient community type setting, the inpatient hospital, the mental behavioral health. And the eating disorders were just kind of always something I wanted to get into. But it's it's difficult field if you don't have exact experience through maybe your internship being solely based on eating disorder specialty to get that experience otherwise. And so. So
0: I guess maybe equating it to if you're becoming a psychiatrist, I'm always interested in like We go to a medical school and it's always fascinating. Well, well, how much actual psychotherapy information in a similar fashion, when you go to study dietetics, how much of it is actually eating disorder or, you know what I'm saying? How how much is not
1: enough, (laughs) not enough, not enough. No. And that's pretty universal to most programs, unless, of course, there are specialized internships for people that know already they want to get into Mm -hmm. the eating disorder field which is wonderful that those exist, and, but it's unfortunate that we don't have a little more of an emphasis in teaching and getting people a little more prepared for even if it's a, enough education experience to start an entry level to gain more experience in eating disorders. It's kind of an all or nothing in a sense.
0: Looking back, what was that catalyst for you that you're studying dietetics? You just have a bit of this information, but what is it that compels you towards eating disorder?
1: I think I've just always been drawn towards the complexities of of the of an eating disorder. There's so much there. It's not just you know for me i i it never really quite did it for me of just working with someone to work on weight loss or diabetes management, even though those things are so very important for some populations mm-hmm. for me it's I like having that challenge and that complexity of a, a patient that I can really get through and and make a big impact on and be with them th- through a whole journey, I guess, if you will.
0: Does compassion or suffering play a part in this for Liz? What do you mean? Well, so much of we think of dietitians as give me a healthy menu. You're aware of food values, caloric, nutritional stuff. But it seems like there's another piece to go into eating disorders is about there's a human factor in, in this whole thing where people with eating disorders, is, and you do a great job of talking about there's a psychological component. There's an emotional piece to this that many of us underestimate.
1: Yeah.
0: And the underlying thing is there's so much, God, there has to be so much tremendous suffering yeah for those people.
1: Yeah, maybe in a past life I was a therapist, and uh, because there is so much overlap with you, really are as a dietitian working with eating disorders, you're considered more, in a sense, a therapist, a nutritional therapist for them. Because, yeah, absolutely, there's that emotional side that needs to be so catered to that you're not going to see with a lot of other patient populations.
0: Just as a therapist myself, when I'm in sessions, the suffering is palpable. Yeah. In the patients, in in the clients, in the families, for you even as a dietitian, you you must see that suffering when you meet with them.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I would say a big chunk of my session is really just spent processing through the the week's emotions and difficulties that they've had, you know, as it maybe relates to food, but not always. You know, you're kind of there as just being that sounding board for that person. So yeah.
0: Is that realistic to expect from a dietitian or are you just exceptional? I I am
1: curious. (laughs) You know, dietitians in general would probably say that's way out of their wheelhouse. However, it's kind of a known thing when you work with eating disorders that you take on that therapist role as a dietitian in a sense. Because like you've said, there's just there's so much going on, there's so much suffering, there's pain, past trauma, mm-hmm. that of course it's gonna get brought up in sessions. It's relevant to the entire process, even though I'm maybe focusing on a meal plan. Hey, how emotionally I'm doing or a really stressful situation I had at work is gonna influence how I was or was able to maybe follow my meal plan or my behaviors, thoughts towards foods for the week might have gotten more difficult.
0: So in hearing you, Liz, I really appreciate it because you're helping me recognize that a dietitian like yourself needs to be able to hold that people come to you for solutions. solution. But there's a huge relational piece to it.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Building trust is huge. I mean, it's a vulnerable state to be in to talk about. My past trauma that I had or my anxiety, my depression that has played a role in how I feel and think and act towards food and my body. And so definitely, yeah.
0: When you think back in your your career, have there been some really significant moments with clients who have that have really profoundly affected you?
1: Yeah. My you know, the probably the most rewarding is when you really see kind of that Things start to click, and they kind of turn that corner, if you will, as far as their their recovery goes. You know they start gaining insights of how their thoughts and feelings impact their their eating habits and and just seeing them make those connections is huge. And you know, I especially love when they tell me, like, you know you had me practice this last week, and it worked so well, of course, you know, I'm like yes. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that, that's got to be probably the the most impactful for it is just when you you see that that light bulb moment in a sense go for them and and the behavior and sometimes it can take months, years, depending yeah. on the clients. It's it can be a really frustrating population to work with at times. There's a lot of burnout. and you know just having that patience and compassion, like you said, is so crucial with working with this population
0: is there times where it's can be discouraging where you don't see progress or the prognosis sometimes with severe eating disorders isn't good i know that there is a mortality rate yeah to eating disorders i wonder what what that's been like for you
1: yeah i've had those moments too where you know and especially working with teens you really rely on the family as that support and sometimes the family values don't align with the therapy and, and nutritional values and goals that we're setting. And it's frustrating for sure. <laughs> you know, I have lost sleep over just oh, the family could have just come around to this and supported this or seen the importance of this. Yeah, you, know, you, you definitely can get frustrated and, and concerned with a lot of those people. Where, you know They might get pulled out of treatment for various reasons and even though they really need that help. Yeah. But I think, you know. On the other hand, you have that set of patients that you know you're making so much impact for that help balance out the, the discouraging moments that you experience.
0: Since your focus is nutrition and dietary and you have such a comprehensive understanding of the emotional and the therapeutic side, what pieces us as therapists, are, are we missing some essential pieces to food? and nutrition in your mind as we treat cuz i feel like even when i treat clients i'm so focused on the therapy that oftentimes i'm not thinking about the nutrition i'm not thinking about their eating habits i'm not i'm not necessarily contemplating that
1: a part of the treatment team when working with these clients is making sure that Each person has a specialized role with eating disorders, and it's not to say to take the place of maybe their general mental health therapist or whatever other therapist they've been seeing, but it's an adjunct into the treatment team of like, Mm -hmm. hey, let's make sure we do have that space to process the complex emotions and thoughts that that surround food and body image that, you know, one therapist is going to be able to to handle because that's their, their expertise.
0: Great. Great. That's really helpful because part of bringing you, us talking today is really increasing my mindfulness around. I always, not that it's an eating disorder, but I always like to say to parents and clinicians, have you ever tried to do therapy with a kid in the afternoon who survives on a one Oreo and a bag of Cheetos? Really tough. Really tough. And then yet we have all this, we load it up with expectation, right? Mm -hmm. Why aren't you doing therapy or they're disengaged or they're not? And I'm thinking, oh, from a biological standpoint, I'm surprised they even walked in here today, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You just hit such a key piece that is, you know, such a crucial part of that education for not just the patients and the family, but for the whole care team that I emphasize until we can get your mind nutritionally sound therapy is not going to get anywhere. A brain that's not totally online is not going to be able to handle the complexities of therapy and processing through emotions and, and past traumas or whatever it might look like. So, yeah, that's such a, a key part.
0: I, I almost want to be do a master's or get an RN because I'd love to be in treatment team and say, you guys, stop diagnosing them. Give them a good meal and see how they would do, right? yeah. <laughs> Let them absorb a good, healthy, some nutrition and then let's see if to get them just online how different things would be.
1: Yeah. And I mean, there's even times where therapists won't start treatment until we can get their body to a place of medical nutritional stability where I'm meeting my nutritional needs. I'm getting all of the different, yeah. you know, food groups in and a good balance throughout the day because until then we're just sort of spinning our wheels to make much progress.
0: It's such a great reminder for me, but so we're, we're at this place. We're just going to drive us back a little bit. So you go <laughs> to college, you're, you're into nutrition, you're studying your dietetics, you graduate, what happens to launch you into eating disorders?
1: You know, one thing that had a huge impact for me is actually a mentor and oh. I am honored to work alongside with this person now, actually, at Doorways. But um, Jodi was a huge influencer for me. She's another dietitian that's been in the eating disorder field for, for forever now. And Great. I connected with her at an earlier age, and she allowed me the ability to to shadow her and to learn more about the field, because I told her how interested I was about getting into eating disorders. But that I had no knowledge, experience, and I wasn't sure how to get that experience because I can't just go apply for a job as an eating disorder dietitian when I've not worked with that clientele. Yeah. And so she was a huge factor in kind of that driving force of being able to get launched into that field and just, you know, along the way connecting with more people. And it was interesting. It was years later when I, after I had my, my son, that I decided like, all right, I think it's time for... Get like really getting back into what I've always had this passion and, and this interest of eating disorders and almost a bit of fate that there was an opening position. This dietitian worked there and she kind of took me under her wing again, if you will, to to continue to shadow and make sure that I had all the right tools before I started seeing patients on my own. So
0: So a lot of gratitude for Jody.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. She's wonderful. And you know it just reminds me of just the importance of passing it on you know personally of of being a mentor for future dietitians that are interested in getting into this field because it's it's not easy
0: when you think about Jody what's something that really comes to mind for you like what what was something she really you feel like wow she really taught me
1: oh, gosh i would say just th- that relationship that was so apparent that she had with her clients that you know she's just that that trusted ally for them and you know it's not just my dietitian that i go and see here and there it's like this is my nutritional therapist in a sense that i rely on and just they had so much trust and faith in her as as their provider and it was just really apparent in watching her work with them
0: i'm I'm smiling because i've used a little bit different language to say that you're valuing what I would call the therapeutic alliance. You don't have to have a thera- be a therapist to have this therapeutic alliance which you're saying the relationship is so valuable. Wow, thank you Jody, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Fantastic.
0: So, you um you have this experience Jody mentors you, you're working in your career and how are the first couple of years for you? You're in this, you're seeing patients Is it worse than you thought, better, the state of eating disorders? I wonder, was it shocking? Was it not?
1: You know, I think it was intimidating and overwhelming at first. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, my gosh, am I equipped to handle all the complexities that come with these patients and their care? And, you know, with any new position that you take on, the first year is really that transitional period of, like, getting to build your confidence and knowing how to best reach your your clients, your patients, whoever it is you're working with. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a learning curve and there still is, right? We're always learning and, and improving ourselves as, as providers.
0: Well, I'm always fascinated because as a, as a psychotherapist, I, um, I hadn't been thrust into the realities of eating disorder until, gosh, probably about five or six years ago. I went on a journey and went to actually an eating disorder treatment place. Okay. And it was the, re- the medical necessity was really quite scary if you didn't, weren't aware about it. Seeing these um, very thin, just really struggling people with feeding tubes. And I mean, it's just it's very alarming to the person who's you're not really entrenched in it. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I just didn't know what was that like for you to have that learning curve?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say one thing that I did get good preparation on is just spending time in hospital settings in general, where you see that high acuity of patients and see them throughout different stages of, of illnesses, whether it be eating disorders or cancer or gastrointestinal diseases. but yeah it's definitely it's it is shocking for someone who's not used to seeing someone in in that state for sure
0: did it did that experience of seeing the severity in the hospitals and the severity of how things could be and the way they are did that reinforce that you were meant to do or I'm in the right spot or did it discourage you or what was it like for you
1: I think probably the former the reinforcement i I think you just see such a like these people have such a need for help and care that not everyone's maybe equipped to provide them and I want to be that person for them and make sure they're getting that right level of care because it's it's scary.
0: Tremendous amount of compassion on your part. Yeah. I'm appreciating experience that experiencing that with you. That what's driving it is. Yeah. That suffering and wanting to alleviate suffering and Yeah diet and emotion and all of the stuff. It's manifested in these eating disorders, but there's a way to treat it in an effective way. You are very um versed in understanding some of the more mechanics and the biological functionings. When when did that come for you? Because I know that you certainly have an interest and some expertise in from the microbiome <laughs> to your mood and food and connection. Sure. Maybe talk a little bit about. When did that really start taking off for you?
1: You know, I actually, prior to getting into eating disorders, had such a fascination with, and still do, with our gastrointestinal health. And that was really my focus that I glommed onto during my internship and during previous positions in hospital settings of really kind of being that GI nutritionist, GI dietitian. And so the beauty of that is that there's so much overlap with mental health. Mm-hmm. I mean, that there's a bi-directional pathway happening between our gut and our brain. And so I think it just naturally, one leads to the other as far as you know, just educating myself so that I can educate my clients on it because it's 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 just so prevalent in that population.
0: What's one, maybe one or two essential points when we talk about this gut-brain access in the gastrointestinal system from a dietary and Mental health standpoint that it really sticks out. If you could just shout it to the world, what's something that's essential that you want to share?
1: Taking care of our our bacteria, right? Just like we need to be taking care of our body as a whole. It's it's a part of us, and that means giving it proper nutrition, enough nutrition. You know, and I think it just overlaps into again with with eating disorder treatment of, you know, we're looking at the the body as a whole and and finding ways to to better nourish ourselves, mind, body, and soul. And so I think, you know, the the bacteria is a part of us. And I educate my clients on that of how do we keep it healthy and happy so that we can stay healthy and happy.
0: Even when we're talking about people who are, gosh, I have a tremendous amount of anxiety, I have depression, and you're saying, actually, wow, let's really consider how your microbiome or your bacteria is made up in your gut, how that's actually affecting that.
1: Yeah, I think it's eye opening for a lot of people, too, yeah. because and they can really glom on to when I tell you, like, you know, maybe some of your goals of treatment right now aren't nutrition related, but they're more about finding some balance with my emotions and improving my depression, and my anxiety. Well, guess what? It ties into nutrition. And so we can leverage that to help with improving all of that and, and so educating on them on that connection between mental health and nutrition is, is so key.
0: So terrific. I, I want to ask you the, a personal question because I've been dying sure. to ask you this is oftentimes people are, uh, there's expectations that come with people's careers, right? Sure. I call Rob, you're a psychotherapist. You, you know, I wonder what your house is. <laughs> and some, at some level I say, well, sometimes the the maid's house is sometimes the messiest, right? I, I wondered for a dietitian if people just expect you to be eating as healthy as <laughs> mm-hmm. you are the epitome of health because you know all the answers i i'm just fascinated how is your how has your personal journey been with like you know
1: yeah i not
0: people loaded up with expectations when you say what you do like
1: oh gosh yeah. oh you
0: you must be perfect right
1: that or oh you're a dietitian god help me with weight loss what what should i be eating that that's a big one what should i be eating or well you probably eat everything great Yeah, Yeah. those are definitely a lot of the the things I hear. I'm actually at times hesitant to (laughs) say what I do when I meet new people for fear of of those follow-up questions happening. Because it's so much more than that, but I'm not going to talk that person's ear off in the moment about it. I have found since working with eating disorders, when I do meet new people and they ask what I do and and say, Oh, I'm a dietitian. I work with eating disorders, Mm -hmm. you know. Fortunately, I actually don't get a lot of those follow up questions in that piece. It tends to be more of a, oh wow, you know that that's really interesting, or I know someone who went through an eating disorder, and you know that's great that you're able to be out there helping those people.
0: Um, I have been meaning, if it's okay to ask, I know that uh, you're going to have your second child, yeah, and congratulations on two boys. Thank you. Is there any of these dietary things that uh, you actually have integrated into yourself? As far as like, you know, I mean, being pregnant takes a toll on you in a number of different ways. Is there any things dietarily or nutrition or exercise that you're like, yeah, that actually helps me in these moments?
1: You know, I think first and foremost is just putting prioritizing my health, especially as you have children and priorities get stretched more, more Mm -hmm. thinly. It's like, hey, until I'm making sure I'm taken care of, I'm not going to be able to take. The best care of of my children of my husband of you know my whole family so i think it's taught me to be gentle on myself and make Mm -hmm. sure like i am prioritizing that i'm eating enough throughout the day and you know honoring my preferences of what sounds good rather than such a focus on having to eat quote unquote everything very healthy you know i think that's been a big mind shift that that I've gone through even from earlier stages of being a dietitian to now.
0: What is it that uh, you find yourself in this trajectory of your career? What, what are you becoming really passionate about? Is there any new stuff that you're learning or that you're really on the road of, Boy, I want to learn more about this or is there any cutting edge stuff?
1: You know you kind of already brought up the whole gut brain access that's been a really big area of of my interest of late and just educating my clients i try to integrate it into most of my my sessions with them when it's appropriate because i'll tell you more times than not there is some sort of disruption in in normal digestive health that's happening with with my clients throughout their journey whether it be in the beginning or an ongoing struggle that they're dealing with still and, it, you know, because it all circles back into how am I eating and feeding myself that might have impact to that.
0: I know I always recommend um, uh, her name is Dr. Emma Naidu. She's the leading nutritional psychiatrist out of uh, Harvard. Mood and Food, really a great resource to be able to read. I don't know if you have any things that come to mind of, oh, this is a great resource when it comes to the microbiome. and.
1: Yeah, you know, I love I'm all about immersing myself in in webinars and okay. and you know, articles where I can continue my education. And yeah, I've found some really great physicians and other dietitians out there that specialize in the role of, of GI health and, and eating disorders that I just love.
0: What's um what part of your story is still untold? Like what's what's the future hold?
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, and that's just it—the future, right? Yeah. <laughs> the unwritten parts. Were
0: well, you gonna have a second baby?
1: Yes, I'm gonna have a second baby and get back to working at once. You know, I was settled because I I love what I do. A big piece is you know how I hope to impact the lives of future dietitians mm-hmm. and wanting to enter into the eating disorder world and. You know, being that mentor for them, like I was so lucky to have a fantastic mentor that helped me get into this field. You know, I want to make it feel more accessible to people to get, because we don't have enough dietitians and therapists and, and medical providers that know about eating disorders to meet the demand of those suffering with eating disorders.
0: Well, Especially with the exponential increase.
1: Absolutely. Of eating disorders. Gosh, yeah. I mean, the highest spike we've seen ever.
0: And we're becoming more aware of actual diverse populations.
1: Definitely. Yeah. It's
0: not just a uh, upper middle class white issue.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's there's still maybe more shame and more taboo within certain micro communities with having an eating disorder. But it doesn't mean that they're not experiencing these things. And, and we are getting more awareness and you know I hope that the future also holds just better access to these communities to get the care that they need and earlier interventions I mean that's huge right if if we can also better educate the general medical providers out there of what to look for with eating disorders and and how to refer them to the right people I mean that would make such a huge impact in in getting better care more quickly for so many people that are suffering
0: so when it comes to treatment um just to sort of wrap up a little bit when it comes to treatment what are some specific things as a practitioner or a parent what what should be we really focused on if we think there's an eating disorder there's some dysfunction in eating what are what are some real important aspects of treatment that you would want to highlight
1: Yeah I mean just research look and see who is available nearby you that knows about eating disorders you know I can't say how many times i've I've heard feedback that you know someone, whether it's the parent or themselves, went to their doctor and were told, "Oh, no, you're fine. your weight's fine. You don't have an eating disorder. And you know, if we could have gotten them to the right people initially that knew what to look for with eating disorders, maybe that all could have been avoided, and they could have been started on their recovery journey years before they actually were
0: and so for people to or clinicians to ask people if they have a
1: specialization.
0: That's, that's essential.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Are you comfortable with taking on this type of patient and, and making sure that, yeah, you have the experience with eating disorders that I'm not sending someone for my diabetes management that doesn't know anything about endocrinology, right? I mean, it's the same type of analogy.
0: Liz, thank you so much for spending some time with me
1: you for really appreciate it. Thank it's been great me.
0: to get to know you and appreciate your story and your, I'm going to call it purpose, a purpose to help those with eating disorders, a purpose to get the information out there about nutrition, emotion, relationship, how that can affect. And that last piece that I, I didn't see coming and I'm really valuing right now is the sense of mentorship.
1: Yeah. It's so important. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Really wonderful. That person that you get to mentor is going to be pretty lucky. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Liz, thank you for your time. And uh, we'll see you next time on Sessions. Thanks.